As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The race is on, and Alpine says Oscar Piastri will be driving for it next year, but Oscar Piastri says he will not be driving for Alpine. What's happening? Where's he going? And how has F1's fourth best team got itself into such a mess? I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to untangle this web of intrigue is Scott Mitchell. Well, Scott, here we are again. Plenty has changed since we last convened a few days ago to talk about Fernando Alonso's Aston Martin move. Oscar Piastri, we said, was the obvious choice to take the vacant seat. Alpine certainly thought that. But can you take us through what happened when they actually tried to make that happen? Yeah, it's been a wild 48 hours or so, isn't it? We've had plenty of opportunities, actually, to do one of these podcasts, but we've just been waiting for it to play out to a certain level of um, stability, shall we say, in the the storyline. It's been absolute chaos and... The peak of the madness was when, as you say, Alpine announced Piastri as a 2023 driver alongside Esteban Ocon. But there was a telling absence in the press release, Ed. Can you remember what it was? Yeah, no quote from Oscar Piastri, which obviously when you get a driver announcement, it's standard procedure to have the driver quote. And of course, Oscar Piastri's social media was completely quiet as well. So he was... Very clearly not part of this. And Piastri is already an Alpine employee. He's a reserve driver. He's been a junior driver since 2020. He's been under contract for years. So it wouldn't have been hard to get get an official comment from him or even make one up and say it's from him. So it well, was, it's easy to do if you can get hold of him, and that seems to be the problem. Yeah, exactly. So we 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 have this suspicious announcement, which is already. It was quite funny actually in the um, the race virtual office. We all sort of stumbled onto that very quickly. It came to the same conclusion, which was this is a bit fishy. So I think about ninety minutes, just under two hours after um, this Alpine statement came out, Piastri broke his silence with a punchy but short statement in which he not only said that Alpine had done the press release without his permission he said it was not correct that he hadn't signed a contract for 2023 and he wouldn't be racing 
for Alpine in 2023. There was an interesting point in that statement where he says he hasn't signed a contract. And I think that that's what this all comes down to is ultimately there'll be a degree of um, Piastri's camp maybe thinking that if if Piastri was going to, to, to be an Alpine driver for 2023 and beyond, then presumably a, a point had come in the year where a new deal needed to be done to cement that. Whereas the Alpine side is absolutely adamant that it has an option on Piastri for 23 and also 2024 as well. And it's activated it for 23. So he's their driver. They're allowed to unilaterally announce him. But yeah, what an absolute madness to have a driver offered a drive and say, no, thank you. Although probably didn't say it in, uh, in such polite terms. And obviously, amusingly, not even the first time this year we've had this. Uh, only, what, a month or two ago, we were, were dealing with it in, in, in IndyCar. There are a lot of similarities here between Piastri and Alpine and the whole Alex Palau, McLaren, Chip Ganassi racing situation in IndyCar. So, yeah, good fun. Good to see Formula 1 getting in on the act when it comes to ridiculous silly season madness. And it was very clear there were problems, weren't there? Because you joined a call with Otmar Safnau, the team principal of Alpine on, what day was it? Yesterday morning. It feels like an age ago. It's amazing. It's amazing how quickly time has passed. But he made it clear he was struggling to get hold of people. We heard some stories of a few senior people at Alpine struggling to raise people like Piastri and his management with presumably increasing desperation. But that was the thing, wasn't it? Otmar Safnauer had said, yeah, we've got control over this. And yeah, that's what we're focusing on. And then we had this announcement later, what, six and a half hours. And it was clear there hadn't been enough time for everything to happen. He made the whole point about, well, these things aren't simple. You've got to have your race driving agreement, your commercial agreements, your link agreements, all these sorts of things. It's not the work of a moment. And then suddenly it was the work of a moment. Yeah, it was an aggressive, aggressive swing in terms of positions. And it just suggested to me that basically while they were struggling to get hold of Piastri or Mark Webber or or someone else that could help, they were seeking legal advice on where their interpretation of the contract was. They obviously then believed that they had or they they must have got assurances that their interpretation of it was correct and decided we can't afford to be gazumped here in the way that they were with Fernando Alonso and his secret Aston Martin deal being done behind their backs so they then just pushed through with the announcement rushed it out to as you say try and take control of of the situation but it's a pretty remarkable gamble or, or move to have made um, when someone is already in your employ and, and, and you have to pull such a tactic to to try and convince the world and maybe even them that that they are indeed your employee for the following year. So yeah, I'm going to repeat myself, but it's, it's just a crazy situation. I, I I haven't experienced something like this in the what half a decade or so that I've been doing the job full time as in in Formula One. Certainly, um, it's probably been the most fun 48 hours or so on the job, um, and it, the it's certainly I don't think the fun's over yet. Exactly. Well, what happens next is either they resolve it between themselves or it goes to the FIA's contract recognitions board which is set up as an independent body it will make a ruling on who has the the strongest case and we have to remember that when it comes to contracts it will all be in the wording and the detail and it's never quite as simple uh, as as you might imagine the classic example of course was when Michael Schumacher moved to Benetton in 1991 after his one-off for Jordan. Eddie Jordan thought he'd signed him, but it was all down to the wording of uh, of a letter, an agreement that was signed, that, and it basically said that he will sign a driver agreement, but it hadn't specified exactly what this driver agreement was, exactly what the contract was, so he was free to join Benetton. That's just a classic example of, of that kind of thing. Well, another example, obviously, is Jensen Button, which a more recent example, the BAR Williams tussle in 2004 over his services for 2005. And there was a common player 
between that one and the Piastri saga. Do you know who it is, Ed? Uh, no, enlighten me. Otmar Zafnauer. Ah, of course. He was uh, was he Honda's chief operating officer, I think, um, or something something along those lines. He was on the Honda side, wasn't he, of that arrangement? And I'm pretty sure there were even um, there was a quote from Otmar at the time, which you could basically transpose into the modern situation, and it would actually be eerily accurate. Obviously, Otmar now Alpine team principal and trying to deal with uh, yet another case of a driver who he thought they'd ticked all the right boxes when it came to his contract. And then it turns out that the driver is, uh, and his management believe they have found an, an opening um, that is in contradiction with, 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 with the team. So um, a bad case of deja vu for, for Otmar. Um, it's probably worth us, uh, we'd, we, we should probably stress actually that we don't know this for certain, but it's probably worth us outlining where it is we think that this um, clash of interpretations has uh, has arisen. Because traditionally, there is a there is a time of year, and July thirty first keeps being mentioned as as this date. We'd heard the end of June, end of July is another alternative of. Uh, a, a point where an option expires or, uh, you know, that degree of free agency kicks in and, and that appears to be where this falls out. In my interpretation of these events is that is where this falls down. You've got Alpine absolutely adamant that whatever happened, it had an option and the legal right to Piastri for 2023 if it offered him a race drive. But clearly somewhere along the line, the Piastri camp has interpreted whatever agreement there is to to, to have the uh, authority to go off and pursue another deal because they haven't got something in place in time. Is that how you'd read it as, as well, Ed? Well, it must be something like that. It'll always be very, very small details. So just the exact wording, the exact timing. I presume that Alpine felt that they were fulfilling the need to ensure Piastri had a drive, but we know they were working on the Williams placement, which the Piastri camp weren't so keen on. So maybe... Alpine's position as well we we either had a Williams drive for him or an Alpine drive for him so that's fine but if it wasn't all signed sealed delivered then is that actually a deal if it's if it's not done no exactly it's a very good point the one thing I would add actually at this point because obviously there hasn't been a a formal Alpine statement or anything like that since Oscar did his statement in response to their announcement last night but what we can say emphatically is that Alpine believes its legal situation here to be robust that is why they did the announcement that they did confirming Oscar for 2023. They wouldn't have done that if they weren't absolutely sure that they had the right to and that they had the contract in place in their favour. It wasn't done by mistake. It wasn't done to. Um, it wasn't done as a tactic. It wasn't done to bring it to a head. It, they they did it to gain control of the situation because having checked it, they believed they were 100% in the right legally. That is uh, a good position to be in if you're actually in that position but the way they got the way they got played by Alonso and Aston Martin and the way this has come out clearly completely against Alpine's expectations i don't know i don't have a huge amount of uh, confidence shall we say that Alpine has necessarily interpreted this this situation entirely correctly because they've they've already shown that they've they can put their confidence in 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 well they can misplace their confidence shall we say 
Exactly, exactly. And it'll come down to the detail which will emerge in, in due course through whichever arena they choose to fight this out. But it's extraordinary for Alpine to have done this because Piastri was the fullback for Alonso. They've let Alonso slip. They were confident they'd keep him. And now they've at the very least having to fight to avoid Piastri slipping away from them, which is, yeah, not a good position to be in. And this all stems from the Alonso side. Who knows? There's a, there's connections between Alonso and Alonso's management and Piastri through Mark Webber. Did they know what was coming before Alpine did? Did that open a window of opportunity? We don't know, but it's it's possible. And Piastri ultimately has to do what he thinks is the best for his career. But what's also very clear is, as well as thinking they've got a robust legal case, Alpine, from a few things that Safnauer said, also feel there's a, a certain, not necessarily ethical, but but personal that they're in, that they've invested in his career. They've done this testing a previous car programme for him. They're preparing him for Formula One. So I think there's probably some real irritation that he's trying to turn his back on them and go to another team. That's not to do with the contract, but that's a more emotional reaction to it. And you can get that, I guess. Yeah, I, I do understand that. Um, one of the things that Otmar said was that um, while they were trying to lo- line up a loan deal for for, for Oscar, Alpine got to decide where he went. The driver didn't have a say in it as such. And it it seemed as though it was Alpine's preference and plan was, as we expected, to put him at Williams. And the Piastri camp wasn't massively keen on that. Now, Otmar says that he can understand why that would be the case if you're being put somewhere on loan and you want to go to McLaren, which is where we believe Piastri and his team are trying to place him in place of Daniel Ricciardo. You want to go there, but you're being put at Williams, which is a lesser team. Uh, No disrespect to them, but they just factually are. McLaren's been a much higher performing in recent years. It has more potential. It's got a more exciting situation to be part of at the moment. That's just natural for the driver to want to be in the best team. Alpine understands that. What Alpine and Otmar, I think, are quite offended by is that now there is this race seat available, but Oscar and his team still want to take him to to McLaren. So I think there's a bit of a slap in the face there, um, especially as I think they would have absolutely uh, had a wrong sense of um, where Alpine were in terms of Piastri's priorities. They just seem to think, much like I think you put it really well after the Alonso announcement, that Alpine wanted to use um, Alonso basically as Piastri's seat warmer, I think Alpine also thought that they could just, you know, leave Piastri at arm's length because they had him. And yeah, it's okay, we'll we'll deal with this when we need to. And now, despite despite having no interest in putting Piastri in its race car next year until 48 hours ago, now it's outraged that Piastri doesn't want to be in its race car. It's a little... So I have some sympathy for Alpine, but it's also a little bit have your cake and eat it, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a funny situation, isn't it? Because it's been clear that the Piastri camp have liked the McLaren option for a while. And again, that's another reason why maybe Alpine should have been a little bit more careful with the whole Alonso thing that they perhaps a little bit gung-ho on, assuming that he'd agree to sign up on a... It was effectively a one-year deal. They said it was a one-plus-one, but a one-plus-one with an option on the team side is a one-year deal, isn't it, really, in terms of, of your assurance? But... The thing that I wonder if it comes down to is, while Alonso was still not signed and sealed, they had to have Piastri in reserve, didn't they, as the as the alternative? So they couldn't have signed a conclusive agreement with Williams for him to go to Williams, could they? So therefore, I wonder if that's the the crack 
that plays a part in this in making him be free and that it wasn't actually done that he had a seat even if there was well it's either or is that a robust enough legal position is that going to be relevant I don't know I'm speculating there but we do know 100% that his placement with Williams would not have been secure because they'd have had to say to Williams well we might yet need him but the thing we do have to talk about is the McLaren possibility because technically there's no room in the inn at McLaren is there because they've got Lando Norris on the long-term deal why would they want to replace him doing a great job Daniel Ricciardo said he's got a contract for next year we know he's got a contract for next year we know that any break in it is down to his choice not McLaren's so how's that vacancy going to appear well that's one of the um uh bits of collateral damage in this crazy row that's playing out in public is that McLaren basically gets dragged into it by um, by default. And within that, you then have the situation where the possibility of that McLaren-Ricardo split that's been speculated about for two or three months now and it's just never disappeared as an option, even, even though Daniel made that statement and said he'd be there next year. Um, it, it's just brought that topic back front and centre again because you're right there's there's no dispute here between Piastri and Alpine if Piastri doesn't have another seat to walk into now I know that a few people have speculated maybe Red Bull would come after him and, and maybe that has happened in the background maybe that's Weber's plan all along and and we're just massively out of the loop but given that there's no seats at Red Bull Racing and Alpha Tauri intend to re-sign Yuki Tsunoda to partner Pierre Gasly I don't I don't see there being any room there and at McLaren Ricardo has emphatically stated that he, he will be there for 2023, that he doesn't intend on leaving. But the option is on his side, and that option will be on his side probably until the end of August. Don't know that for certain, but it would make sense. I don't think McLaren would, would let him have the option to walk away in mid-December and give them no chance to, to replace him. So there would have to be a sensible cut-off for that. All the while that's still in play, Ricardo leaving McLaren can't be discounted, especially as he's not really improved his form and he signed off for the summer break with arguably his worst performance of the season in terms of or one of the worst performances of the season. And we should say every time anyone at McLaren's asked about this, which is usually Andreas Seidel, the team principal, he always says something like, well, we're focused on on Daniel, etc., etc. And obviously they'll respect contracts, but you can respect contracts if you pay them off as well. So... McLaren could have made all of this going, all of this go away if they just said, "Yeah, 100%. We confirm Daniel Ricciardo for next year." That they're not is a, making it abundantly clear to the outside world that they are considering the possibility of, of an alternative. So, just because somebody has a contract doesn't mean that they will definitely be there the following year. Just ask Sergio Perez about that. Yeah, and the situation is, the the reality is that McLaren is open to replacing Ricardo and has, I believe, considered options, which would include Piastri, because it has to, because the situation is serious and the prospect of Ricardo leaving is a real one. And now it comes down to where that particular situation has got to. Has Ricardo told McLaren already that he is probably going to walk away or that he's actually chosen to walk away um has he indicated to them that he's open to discussing a payoff let's discuss it over the summer break um has he not told McLaren this but told his Aussie mate Mark Webber this or something like that and then alerted the Webber camp to a potential vacancy or the sorry the Piastri camp to a potential vacancy at McLaren that way and McLaren don't know or is McLaren going behind Ricardo's back and lining up a, a replacement for him in a really really firm way because it absolutely intends to either let Ricardo come to the decision naturally that he should leave or if that doesn't happen just outright pay him off pay him whatever it takes to get him out their their car 
I don't really think the latter is a particularly McLaren or Seidel way of going about things, but there's a way of doing that that doesn't quite sound as callous. If the, the, we, we know, and Ricardo will know this, while there has been a, any element of uncertainty, McLaren, and also an element of underperformance, McLaren will have looked at alternatives. Ricardo's not really going to be blind to that. So there could be a way where McLaren has gone a really decent amount down the line in terms of firming up some kind of pre-agreement, pre-contract with Piastri. And then it's just a case of, but we need to absolutely make sure Ricardo leaves. The The really interesting thing here is less what goes on with Ricardo and McLaren and more what the Piastri camp's reading of the Ricardo McLaren situation is. Because if they've misjudged what they have, you know, if they think they've got something more than they do, then they could have absolutely destroyed Piastri's chances for next year because they're, bur- they're potentially burning the bridges at Alpine without actually 100% having something lined up. Because as we talked about, when you open this particular section, there isn't at the moment a, a clear 100% vacancy at McLaren. I'd be staggered if they made that mistake, to be honest. I'm sure there's something in place, but it's very yeah, interesting. But you'd be, yeah, but you'd be, you'd be, um, you were, we were staggered that Alpine had let it play out the way they did with, <laughs> well, with yeah. Alonso and with the way they let it play out with Piastri. So it's in, as far as I'm concerned, it's entirely possible that all of these people are incompetent. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of looking at it and there will be more chance to be staggered by this kind of thing. So yeah, again, this will all play out, but very, very dangerous game to play if, if the Ricardo situation is not at least on a trajectory that means it will be resolved. It puts Daniel Ricardo in a in a very good position because he's got all sorts of options. And if you know he's no idiot, he'll have a good idea of what's going on, even if he's not properly in the loop. So he'll look at it and think, well, if they want rid of me, they're going to have to pay me, aren't they? And he'll he'll be saying, right, well, pay me what I'm owed for next year, as he'd be perfectly entitled to, and I'll go away. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, another factor we've got to consider is the fallback options if Alpine really does lose Piastri. And there's no doubt Alpine will be thinking about this as well. You've got to have contingencies or, I don't know, maybe they're just not thinking about it because they're going to stagger me by not not making preparations for the worst happening. Uh, To my mind, the best option has to be a gamble on Daniel Ricciardo. And it would be a huge gamble given his form over the past 18 months and the question marks about who knows. Does he even want to continue? We don't know. But surely he is the option of those who are possible with the highest potential upside. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at... You came up with a list earlier, actually, when we were WhatsApping. Um, have you got that list to hand? Because that's quite a useful bit of uh, running down the experienced options. When you look when you look through them, like, Ricardo's not only the best option, he's the best of a pretty... I mean, I'm going to say this, it's going to sound really out of order, but it's the best of a pretty second-tier bunch, isn't it? Yeah, well, you're basically limited to looking at Mick Schumacher. He's out of contract with Haas. Got experience. Nico Hulkenberg on the bench at Aston Martin, but lots of experience, been at the team before. Nick De Vries, who's on the periphery. He's got options in WEC and Formula E, but he's done a few FP1 outings and F2 champions, so he's perhaps the logical rookie. Joe Guanyo, don't know 100% 
how far Alpha's got with whether they want to keep him for next year. He's been with Alpine and, before. Yeah, Nicholas exactly. Latifi. Nicholas Latifi's the other one, isn't he? I don't think he's a particularly realistic option, but he is an experienced. I think the fact driver. that you said his name while laughing probably tells you exactly how much of a serious option he is. Bless him. Yeah, it's it's not a great position for the fourth best team in Formula One as they currently are based on constructors championship position to be an Otmar Safnau said they need the best available option and they need the best op- best available option to be a good one because they've got this much vaunted 100 race plan which apparently the clock started on that at the start of this year rather than last year as, as Otmar made very very clear but I don't see any of those drivers really being the the key for that plan but Ricardo is the best of them in the hope that you'll get old Daniel Ricardo back if that happens great happy days but that's a big risk yeah I'm I, I think he's the only person who comes close to being what you need. He was exactly what they needed in 19 and 20, but he was in a different phase of his career then. He was still on the ascendancy. He was looking to break out of Red Bull. He had a point to prove. He was hungry and he was absolutely in great form and in tune with that generation of cars. And now he's um, in halfway through his second year of being pretty mediocre um, unhappy by his own standards, potentially quite jaded as well. He talked, when he did that statement about not wanting to give up and he talks about it at the race afterwards as well and you you want to believe him and there are flashes of it where you just think, this just this does sound like you. You, you, are, you are too hungry, too competitive to let it go like this. But then you catch him at another time and it's just like that, that, that fire is fading to an ember at its worst. And if you don't get Ricardo at his best, then what what are you what are you getting other than a slightly expensive, slightly embarrassing return to a driver who snubbed you a couple of years ago? But you mentioned that it's a bit of a hope that he'd be at his best. You've got a bit of a theory that Ricardo's problems might not be just limited to driving a McLaren. It's a twenty twenty two generation of car thing, right? Yeah, I think certainly there's some things about the McLaren that make it that bit harder. It's one of the more inconsistent cars in the way it works. There seem to be a few characteristics he doesn't like. But also generically these cars are not really to to his liking the the weaker front end etc yeah teams are tackling that but I do wonder if he's just not that well suited to this and he's struggling to reprogram himself he's put a lot of effort into trying to delve into his game over the past 18 months understand it improve technically deconstruct himself reassemble himself adapt as a different driver and it's just not worked very well he's not been terrible but he's just not been great he's at his best he really is a couple of tenths off off Norris at his worst. He's like <laughs> second off on the really bad days. And we saw it in, in Hungary. First stint was quite good. Once he got onto the hard, he couldn't do anything like what Norris did on them. And he just vanished from points contention. So yeah, it's it's a big risk. It still would be the one I'd go with because I think when you're presented with limited options, I'd much rather take one with that hope for upside rather than taking something you know is kind of okay and fine but not going to not going to give you the the same the same potential benefit but it, it's a horrible position for them to be in of course we shouldn't rule out the possibility of them looking at a driver who is under contract elsewhere as we said before you can always buy people out of contracts agreements can be made can you see any left field choices being recruitable people have mentioned Pierre Gasly although Gasly Ocon is an interesting combination as they're not the the best of friends let's say no, not, no one really jumps out. I mean, I said this to you earlier, um, a few hours ago, when we were texting about it. I, If you thought you could get him, the best option I think that might be available outside of Ricardo is trying to get Kevin Magnussen from Haas. I think that would be um, 
it would be bringing back someone to Enstone who was there a little while ago and he didn't obviously endear himself massively to the team at the time and he didn't get the long-term commitment from the team that he was looking for, which is why he left to join Haas in the first place. But the team's in a different place. It's run by different people now. Um, it just... <clears throat> I don't know whether Kevin would go for it. I think he's quite happy with Haas. He's got his um, more than one year contract there. So he's pretty secure. He's enjoying being back in, in Formula One, but he's doing it on his terms. And I think the Haas environment fits him quite nicely. But if you were Alpine and you were thinking, right, who's going to who's gonna be a bit more dynamic for us? Who Who's going to work well in that regard? Kevin's the only one I can think of. I guess one name I have heard linked and not, in a links by people that are involved in these discussions just from the outside is Colton Herter because we know that Alpine and or Renault have a close-ish relationship with the Andretti camp because they're trying to have Andretti as a customer team if the Andretti global F1 entry does get accepted for 2024 or, or beyond Herter is an Andretti Autosport driver he's been testing with um with McLaren he's he's someone who could be a legitimate F1 option in the short, medium term, but I think that would be a massive punt if Alpine went in that direction. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not great. And coming back to that Magnussen option, that would leave Haas in trouble. There's a lack of proven quality F1 drivers because there's so little seat time these days. There's not that many drivers you can plug in. He's the experienced hand at that team. I guess Mick Schumacher would be in his third season next year, so he could fulfil that role. But if I was Haas, I'd be playing. I'd be placing a very high price on that. He could be sold. Drivers always can be, but that could get very, very expensive. Bottas, it was ten million dollars, I think, something in that region that Mercedes paid for uh, him in the past. One driver I just want to throw in because I have seen again people asking. The F two leader, Filippo Djurgovic, is available. He's not attached to any F one teams, but considering he's leaving, leading F two, he seems to not be a driver who's cropping up on the F one radar very very uh, aggressively at all he brings a bit of money as well i've heard i think he would he would bring a few million potentially to to a team but i think ultimately the problem is he's in his i think his third year in formula two at least and it's not a particularly exciting f2 crop this year so if you're that far into your f2 stint and you're only beating a bunch of drivers who are sort of yeah sort of slightly second rate junior drivers then you just he's just not pulling up trees. He's not a Piastri type. He's not a Leclerc, a Russell or a Norris. So I just don't think he's been on, on the radar that much. I think all of this points to why Alpine are so desperate to keep hold of Piastri. And that's the other thing. They want to keep hold of Piastri, but if they force him to, do you really want to force somebody to, to drive for you? And is there a way back after all the damage done? But they're in really, really a difficult situation in terms of the available options, aren't they? What would you do now if you won as Alpine, if you did win the legal fight and it was proven that you have the the, the right and Piastri has to honour his contract, do you want to force a driver to race for you? Is that not just going to be a horrifically toxic working environment? It could be, but I think you have to make an effort to make it work. There would have to be a certain amount of contrition on the Piastri side because if it does turn out that he's not as free as he thinks he is, then the error kind of is on their side, isn't it? So they'd have to be a little bit apologetic. Probably you can try and blame it on the management or something. Piastri's a, a young guy, but that's that's getting very ahead of things. So yeah, it's not easy if you've got somebody you know doesn't want to be there. It really isn't. But you end up in that situation where you're just worried about the alternative options and, and really, really uh, 
are in trouble. So you just have to hope people will be mature. And ultimately, Piastri, I'm sure, if he were in an Alpine next year, he'd have to deliver it his best, wouldn't he? Because that's his career. So he's got to to do it. And I imagine things would, would move on. Fernando Alonso went back to McLaren after all that. That always seemed uh, impossible. So never say never. But awkward, an awkward and difficult situation. So you're right that it's not just about who wins this. It's about what's a viable outcome. So yeah, who knows what will happen there. We should say one driver who's not on the table who was linked to things is a driver whose place in the driver market has fallen into place in Alex Albon. He's staying at Williams. They confirmed him earlier today. There might have been a possibility to move up the grid given the Red Bull ties linked to McLaren. Would have been an obvious contender for Alpine for that previous list if he was available. Do you think this is good or bad news for Albon? Um, I think it, I think it's good. Um, I think he's in a position where he is rebuilding his reputation in Formula One, and he's done an awful lot of good work this year to do that. But it is still a work in progress because what he needs to do is just re-establish himself as someone who can be a really good upper midfield driver, rather than someone who occasionally sort of snipes for points finishes, but otherwise spends his time between eleventh and twentieth. Now, obviously, the car is the big limiting factor in that. But at the moment, I don't really see Albon being dramatically far away from Williams in terms of their respective places in the pecking order. Williams did bring him off the bench. They, they, they were the one, that's the team that has taken him off the sidelines with, with Red Bull and um, put him back into the fold. So I think a little bit of loyalty there goes a long way. They're, Williams took a punt on him and, and, and backed him to... To, to be uh, to be to be a good option for them this year. He is repaying them this year, but it doesn't have to just be a one year arrangement. So I think I think sticking together works in the interim, especially as I'm sure Albon still has designs one day of getting back into the Red Bull fold. And we know that's not going to happen this year or next year. So just sort of a holding pattern now while the driver market shakes out. It's probably not a bad place to be in. Uh, Williams should still continue to make bits of progress hopefully he can fight for a bit more in the second half of this season and in 2023 in particular and then who knows what this multi-year arrangement is maybe the options on his side rather than the teams and he can be in a he can then scope out what options there are for 2024 so I think this works quite nicely for him it guarantees him a place on the grid and it gives him a little bit more flexibility in the medium to long term I think also for Albon he has grown a lot as a driver in terms of he is just much more confident. You can see the determination. He's spoken about making sure he's the loud voice in the team, filling in for someone like Russell, who whose drive he took. And I think he's done that very well. So I just think Williams is a good place for him at the moment, just because it allows him to be perhaps the driver he can be. Yeah, sure, they're at the back. That's not great. And they're not going to be leaping to the front next year, are they? So it's going to be a long, hard slog, but he's still relatively young. So he can spend a few more years at Williams He's the de facto number one at that team, regardless of whether he's officially number one or not. He is the lead driver. There's only 10 F1 teams. So being the lead driver at an F1 team is a big deal. There's not many of them. And I think that's worth a lot for somebody like Alex Albon rather than being, what's the point in throwing him back in at Red Bull Racing? Obviously, they couldn't anyway. But what's that going to achieve other than probably history will repeat itself? Do you want to be at AlphaTauri? It's fine, but it's always going to be the Red Bull second team. So I like the fact that he's staying there he does just come over as a much more commanding presence, doesn't he now, than he did in, in his Red Bull days. And I think, build on that, great. Yeah, inside and out of the car, he's um, he's just a more confident presence. It's exactly what it looked like he the trajectory was going to take him to at Toro Rosso, isn't it? The first half of his rookie season where he was 
putting in some really good performances and he was also really starting to build a nice bit of confidence. When he moved to Red Bull, he took that in his stride initially. That's that's how confident he was. Um, so I think getting back on that path is, has been really valuable to him. And I'm really, really interested to see what kind of potential he has because I've always been interested in Albon as a talent because he's never struck me as an absolute out-and-out megastar in the making. Bit too quiet, bit too nice maybe for that. But he's not an idiot and he's not a, a hopeless talent by by any means. Um, I was interested that he got back onto the F1 grid in the first place with with the, the Red Bull programme, with Toro Rosso. Um, I didn't think it was a like I didn't think it was a great loss in the sense that like we were talking a year ago that it was a real injustice that Piastri wasn't going to get an F1 drive having won Eurocarp F3 and F2 in consecutive years. Albert had never done anything like that. So I didn't feel like it was the world's greatest injustice that he never got into F1 in the first place. But then he got into F1 and they actually showed hang on a second this is really interesting. You you're there's clearly a lot more about you than than, than a lot of people think. He's often been cited as by his peers as someone who was underrated in the junior category. So, yeah, I'm 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 really excited to see how he can evolve now with a sort of longer-term Williams trajectory. Where is Alex Albon going to be at the end of 2023? That's a that's a fascinating question and and one that we wouldn't have asked at the end of 2020 when he was quite clearly going for the exit door at Red Bull and I didn't really think he'd ever make his way back onto the grid. Yeah, he's always a driver who's had a little bit of a touch of magic about him, but it's never quite in cars certainly been delivered but there's a there's a progression here that means we might start to see that hope for best of Alvin. he's had a genuinely good season I've been impressed with him this year some very good drives and even some lower profile drives when he's not been in the points just very very well executed in not a particularly good car he's managed to influence the team in terms of their setup slightly different approach he's got compared to George Russell and what he wants from the car and it, it's coming on well so I no way see this as a bad thing for Alban, yeah, sure. Alpine would have been a move up the grid. Could have worked out very well for him. But I think when you're onto a good thing, it's quite a good idea to to stick with it, certainly with the trajectory his career's had. So good luck to him. Well, hopefully we've managed to make some sense of this developing situation and there's every chance it'll develop again in the coming days, in which case we will reconvene once again. Of course, the August break will get in the way. Head to the race.com and don't forget the hyphen as we've got loads of coverage of what's going on with the Piastri Alpine situation and we'll continue to do so as it develops. I have to say, Scott has been all over this story. So thanks for your insight on that. Check out our sister podcasts, including our IndyCar podcast, Bring Back V10s as well, that tells classic F1 stories the race f1 tech show with gary anderson as well and also have a look at our youtube channel just search for the race f1 may be into its august break but we're still going so stay with us on the race f1 podcast for everything you need to know from the world of f1 both on and off track the athletic